It is a time of rebellion. It is a time of revolution. It is a time that has been since he was six years old. Satisfied. They're everywhere. They're watching me now. Soon enough, these days will end. There will be no rules going forward. Case for Rebellion. That's what a reckoning sounds like. A Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast. Welcome, gang, to the latest episode, the premiere episode of Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion. Yeah, yeah, you know what? For those of us that listened to the NPR radio drama back in the day, that's a very old-school-sounding name with a little fulcrum flair. I am your host, David Sendy, your rebel leader, as it were. Yes, I don't do the Tarkin R's that well, but yeah, it's close. And with me, your friend of mine, all the way out in the swamps of Dagobah, or, you know, Florida, but Florida these days, let's just stick with Dagobah. Uh, yeah, it's a little swampy here. Kyle Wagner. Kyle, how's it going? I am doing well, but you know what? We got a we got a full ship. We haven't had a full ship in a while while here, Mr. Sendon. And if, if you don't mind, I would like to introduce our first guest because I, I, I kind of have an association with him. Oh yeah, you you have an association with this one. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he, he is my co-founder in the Fandom Podcast Network, that little network I I, I do on do as well and he knows his star wars like the back of his hand and david i'm going to tell you what he probably gave you bonus points for bringing up the npr because he's a big fan of that as well of course he is my brother from another mother my co-founder of the fandom podcast network mr kevin reitzel back of my hand yes sir <laughs> and yes uh props to the uh, mention of npr i remember listening to those on NPR with my mom, uh, the first two anyway. I had to wait till the 90s for uh, Return of the Jedi, but I did buy it on CD. <laughs> oh, waiting till the 90s. Such torture back in the day. <laughs> the, 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 the fun of hunting things down. But Mr. Sendon, we got yet another crew member for this big episode that we've got. So why don't you do the introductions? Okay, you know what, gang? We have not just me, not just Kyle, not just Kevin, three very good rebels to round out this table. But you know what? We needed a trooper. And I know what you're saying in your, you know, zero <laughs> the limitation. You're like, 
a trooper here in this neighborhood? <laughs> a trooper is impossible. Well, you know what? Zero, we like this one. <laughs> Your friend and mine, Marcus Story. Marcus, how's it going? Hello, hello. Good. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Much, much appreciated. And this is a great show. I'm already giving away my, my review here, but um, it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's no. a, David. I think this is actually a very historical time in Star Wars, and I, I have been on the edge, you know, and everybody here knows I have been on the Andor train since they announced this. I've been very excited about this. My don't hide my feelings for Rogue One, but after watching these first three episodes, I actually feel like we've had a found possible foundation shift in how Star Wars could be made going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Spies. Saboteurs, assassins, who've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. Cassian Ander, don't matter what you tell me or tell yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards. Wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real? We've chosen a side. We're fighting against the dark. There is an organized rebel effort. Drill down and get a hunt started. You realize what you've set in motion? People will suffer. Time has come to force their hand. At what cost? Everything! Every day we wait, they get stronger. Let's take them by surprise. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. People are standing up. They're afraid. Right now, they're afraid. Let's go! Uh, Kyle, you may have a particular sound for this, because I want to start off with a hot take. So, Uh-oh. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Hold on, let me let me let me throw a little sound in there for a hot take. What you got, David? Star Wars fans of all ages, I I love you, but here it is. Okay, for me, this is kind of working in the reverse of Clone Wars. Now, take a little trip backward to two thousand eight. You know, a simpler time when, you know, uh, kids were still doing things that their parents were like, what are you doing? But uh, the Clone Wars movie was not exactly one of those that that latched on, you know, to me right away. It almost made me not bother with the Clone Wars series. I know that may sound shocking, you know, considering what I do, you know, talk Star Wars and all, but it almost made me didn't watch, not watch the Clone Wars series. However, I stuck with it because, you know, that's just what fans do. Oh, 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 that that darn chip in my head. I feel like Wrecker for a minute. (laughs) But, now, on the other hand, this with Andor, because I love Rogue One so much, it feels like a complete reversal of how I felt about 
the Clone Wars movie, and, you know, Clone Wars kind of growing on me. This was an instant sort of right there and sort of, okay, you got me. Show me what you got. There, there's my hot take right at the top of the show. For you, that's a hot take because, you know, you you know, usually you're all in on Star Wars anyway. But Kevin, I got to ask you real quick while we're talking about this kind of just initial first reactions. You feel like this Star Wars and or something different? We got we got something that might be kind of reshaping a little bit of the modern Star Wars era. Um, I don't know if it's reshaping the modern Star Wars. I just think that we're just getting a different angle to it, uh, an angle that I think that, uh, I'm sorry, Rogue One gave us, the kind of espionage type of feel thing, the going undercover, mm-hmm. the the dirty side of the rebellion that uh, a lot of us really gravitated towards when it came to Rogue One. And seeing someone that really, I mean, if you think about it, with Andor, the character of Andor coming back into the Star Wars uh, world with this series, when we saw Diego perform as Andor in Rogue One, we really saw someone that was really carved into a rebellious stone. This is Captain Cassian Andor. on behalf of the rebellion. Spies, saboteurs, assassins. Everything I did, I did for the rebellion. Every time I walked away from something I wanted to forget. Trust goes both ways. It was for a cause that I believed in. A cause that was worth it. Now that lost, everything was done would have been for nothing. there was reasons why he was, you know, able to shoot someone to make sure the bigger picture stayed intact. Good. 
低手，再快一点。I have to get back on board. Walk with me. Back to Jenna? They'll leave without me. Easy. You have news from Jenna. Come on. An Imperial pilot. One of the cargo drivers he defected yesterday. He's telling people they're making a weapon. The Kyber crystals, that's what they're for. What kind of weapon? Look, I have to go. What kind of weapon? A planet killer. That's what he called it. Someone named Urso sent him, some old friend of Saul's. Galen Urso? Was it? I don't know. They were looking for Saul when we left. Who else knows about I have no idea. It's all falling apart. Saul's right. There's spies everywhere. What's all this? Come on, let's see some scat docs. Yeah, of course. It's my gloves. <laughs> no! What have you got? Troopers down. Section 9. Are you crazy? I'll never climb out of here on my arm! Get out of the way! Oh! Oh! Calm down. Calm down. We'll be alright. Hmm? Someone that was grizzled, someone that knows how things work. You know, when, you know, that scene when they're uh, getting ready to take off from Yavin base with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and do the mission, yet he's called back saying, you know what, you're going to kill her father. That's what's really going to happen here. You know, mm -hmm. and he took that as going, yeah, I see the picture. I see why we have to do that. And seeing someone, you know, usually the rest of the rebellion that we're used to seeing, we see them go through some stuff and some crap, but we really don't see it them carrying the burden on their shoulders like this character and that's what makes him realistic someone that's been through the war someone that's been through the crap and i think that we need to see how the the um the rest of the empire might be sitting on its laurels but it's done its damage and it hires people like these security forces to do their bidding for them. You know, it's like during World War II, you would hear about how when the uh, Nazis would come through, you know, uh, uh, a, uh, a country, and then if you wanted to survive, they would have these little, like, militias that would work for them that would turncoat and, and be and almost, if not always, even more brutal than the Nazis against their former people that they were with. And that's the kind of thing that we're seeing here. And, and this is this is a side of Star Wars we really haven't seen, but I mm -hmm. think we need to see. Mm -hmm. You know, wars, I, right? There, there's wars in title? Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. Wars. wars. <laughs> yeah. We're, getting some, no. we're getting some wars in our stars, finally. <laughs> So. <laughs> to add to what Kevin brought up, uh, and I love the, all the points you made, What the biggest thing I like here is, again, showing that. Because I feel like if everything had stayed, you know, hunky-dory same, and I'm not talking last few years, I'm talking like, you know, pre-2012 same, right? 
I don't think we would have gotten that because if you look at the original movies, right? For something called Star Wars, there's very little war in it. And, you know, I kind of feel thinking about it. And again, this may go along with my last hot take. And <laughs> you know what, Kyle, you can be as shocked as you want. You too, Kevin, I suppose. But um, it, it almost feels like if you can have a morality tale for 12-year-olds, you know what George has always called this thing, right? But when you're taking the the trauma or the most tragic part out of it, which is, you know, the war, the conflict, what exactly are you teaching them? Yeah. I, I, think that's a, I think that's a good point. I mean, George has always said, you know, I've made these, they're for the 12-year-old. And I think they've always done a good job of bringing the 12-year-old along and all of us and keeping it alive in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I think... I think with Rogue One and now with this show, and I think it's because of who we have as the creator with with Tony in this, is that he's 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 fi they're finally letting that twelve year old age up and see some reality. Oh so, yeah, especially for for all of us that have been the long time mm -hmm. Star Wars fans. Yeah, Marcus, what what, what yeah. do you think? Are you are you feeling kind of that way? Well, let me go back real quick to how this all started. I mean, Rogue One, in my opinion, is probably the best movie since, since Disney took over. Right. And yeah, so yeah. when this, when the series was announced in November of um, 2018 guys, that's like almost four years ago. Um, I was, um, I wasn't like blown away, but I was, you know, I, I nodded and I said, okay, let's, uh, let's try this. And then, um, you know, it was described as just like, like Kevin said, you know, it's like a spy movie, like a spy series, a spy thriller. Um, and, um, and then when Tony got on board, right, co-writer of Rogue One, extensive reshoots, he, he oversaw all that. I was really on board. And then I, you know, a lot of stuff came in between and or finally came out. So I kind of lost, um, not track, but, um, other stuff was on my radar, but then I couldn't wait, you know, Anaheim, Celebration Anaheim, we got the Rogue One, um, uh, sorry, the, the Andor, um, um, I think we got the trailer and the extensive trailer that was also shown during the Rogue One um, um, IMAX release. Um, so I was really on board, and um, it's it's gritty for sure. Um, we have, you know, um, I was watching it with my kids; um, they're ten and seven, and I, you know, I mean, there's some scenes where you know the shot in the head that wasn't really shown, but that was kind of obvious in the beginning, um, and then. Um, um, again, it's, it's a bit more darker, like I said, more gritty, but overall it's, it's going in the right direction. It's a 12 season, sorry, 12 episode season plus another 12 coming up. So they really have a story to tell, which I, which they really did in the first three episodes. And I'm glad they released them the way they did because that you know, all three together leads up to, to what's coming next, right? Cause they're off the planet. And now, now it not really starts. But I think we needed that exposition of, you know, showed him, in, you know, showed him in in, in those um, flashbacks. And um, um, I can't wait, man. I can't wait till next week. Yeah, David. One of the things I've talked about with Kevin a lot, and I know you and I have had that discussion too. And it's something, but I want as we kind of transition to these three episodes, is that 
with the 12 episode count, I know we've all been a little bit frustrated by the lack of episodes at six episode mm-hmm. count because I feel like right, yeah, mostly things going. Um, but here with 12 episodes, it really felt like these first three were cut and done specifically to introduce us to what Andor is about, where where yeah. we're coming from with Andor. And I really think it was very necessary in this case because really our only experience with Andor was the end of his tale. So mm-hmm. we're getting we're getting that full picture, David. Were you feeling like this could have easily been with you working in movie theaters, could this have easily been cut into something and put in a movie theater with these first three episodes? Yes, it easily could have. And at this point, I would have welcomed it because, again, it goes along with my, um, you know, my the, almost the reverse of my hot take where, you know, how I felt with the Clone Wars movie and going trying to go into Clone Wars, um, hmm. you know, in the complete reverse with this. I think had they cut this into like a, what what would you say this, Kyle, basically over 90 minutes? I would say, yeah, I think it was 45, it was 35, 40, and a, uh, another 40. So, yeah, about, I think it could have been a good 90 minute mm-hmm. cut put together. And I would mm-hmm. still like to see him try and do that, I think, at some point. Maybe before. Oh, yeah. Two I mean, at some, at some point with things going back on the upswing, I'd love to see, you know, uh, uh, chunks of Andor, you know, cut as, say, an IMAX exclusive. You know, kind of like what they were doing with Game of Thrones before Thrones lost its damn mind. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> I wonder. Um, I wonder. You know, the the show was. You know, there was a premiere, or diff- several premieres all over the world. I wonder, and I forgot to ask um, people who were there, but I wonder how they showed the episodes. If it was just like we saw on Disney Plus, or if it was cut in a way where it's one continuous, you know, ninety minute or. Um, you know, show or movie in this no, case. Marcus, I'm sure if it's bells and whistles like that, it was uh, it was cut big. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm also I've heard in a few, at least a few cases too, where a lot of those people got to see episode four as well. But oh, Kevin, I want. I, I don't know for sure that's a fact. I've heard that rumor. But Kevin, I know we've talked about it. It too. is. Really it is. I've seen, seen people try to be, you know, conniving little trolls about episode four, and these are yeah, people well, in <laughs> business. Yeah, well, Kevin and I have had a conversation about that. But, Kevin, I want to ask you, did you feel like this should have been cut up and put in as, like, one long movie that we could have had that premiere on Disney Plus and something in the theaters? Yeah, yeah, this is something I wish that they would consider doing, uh, like, for an opening – just have it go the length of an opening weekend, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. I I guess a Wednesday through Sunday type of thing. Um, And – but as for being cut up into one ongoing thing, I, I don't think that they would. I don't think they did that for the premiere. I think that they just showed the three episodes with the credits and all, gave people to kind of relax in between them and stuff like that. Because a lot of people worked hard on these episodes and they want to make sure that they get their they, due. And they were yeah, probably yeah. they were probably there well, yeah, for the screening because I, I had friends of mine in the five of first that were there, but they were mm-hmm. kind of tight lipped about it, and that's fine. I don't want them to. I don't want them to say anything. But uh, I, if they did show them, I don't mind them showing them individually back to back with the credits and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. uh, they want to make sure that everyone uh, shares the glory because if you just kind of, if you watch it un- uncut all the way through and then you show all the credits at the end, I, you have to kind of really redo all that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's a good, right. that's a good point. Now, David, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you to start off with, let's kind of go into what we saw here with, do you feel, 
when you just going off of like the first episode here, do you really feel it set a different tone for anything we've experienced in Star Wars before? I know we talked about the Rogue One comparison, but I, I still felt like there was something that was different about the show, even from Rogue One. Oh, that's it. Breathing. No. Burlow. Burlow. He's taking. He's not. Burlow. Come on. Give it me, man. He fell. We had a misunderstanding and we played too hard on him and you didn't understand and he tried to grab you and he fell and he hit his head. We're going together. I'll tell him what happened. Well, yes. I mean, first of all, for all the, you know, the, the people that worry about the disinvocation, I'm like, uh, thing first of all not really a word but whatever but for people that worry about that i just want to say the show opens with cassian headed to a brothel <laughs> yep yeah I, first time enough, i kind of never seen a brothel before in star wars that i can remember we've seen just proves that there is sex in star wars so yeah 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 there we well, go. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah although they they don't go all total recall and have the three breasted well you know no, that's coming Not up yet, in episode four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We already had the we already had the six in Jabba's Palace, so we're you know it's kind of already. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. We did. We did. All right, great. Right. Yeah, I don't want to upstage Jarna. Yeah, <laughs> her toys probably still dangling from the shelves at this point. Hey guys, real quick. Um, so music, right? The music, um, because the the show, the episode starts. You know, Cassian walking in the rain, and then we have a little bit of. You know, background, which um, to me was like, wow, this is this could be like Blade Runner, you know, esque. Um, the whole the setup, the music, or whatever, you know, it wasn't really music, but you know. Um, so, what do you guys think about overall of the of the uh, the music? Well, I thought it was good. I mean, uh, Marcus, at this point, I'm kind of in a weird spot with the music. I mean, because the music is like the biggest adjustment mm -hmm. for me. Kyle, Kevin, I'm sure that, you know, is an adjustment for you guys in some sense as well. But for me, it's like, it's it's the biggest thing to get used to again, you yep, know? Because, yep. I mean, let's be honest, you're not going to top John Williams. I mean, that's, you're not going to do that. That's like, you know, before we went into the sequel trilogy, that's like, you're not going to out Vader Vader. 
you're, yeah. I mean, just mm-hmm. on sheer size, you're not going to do that. So, yeah. I think with the music, too, David, what you bring up a point because I think we're so, if you've been with Star Wars from the beginning, you, you're so John Williams in. But mm-hmm. I do like the fact that we are starting to get some differences and, and variations with that. And what I'm really like. Oh, yeah. I we're kind of seeing that with what uh, Ludwig is doing with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very much, very much so. Kevin, one of the things that I'm liking, though, is that they're getting as much as everyone wants to pay tribute to John Williams. They're letting they're get kind of getting away from that a little bit and creating their own styles of music for these shows. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you guys got to stop comparing any music that um, is not John Williams to John Williams. Mm-hmm. John Williams is a is a master at his craft. And also, <clears throat> too, his work is mostly. Uh, theatrical and when you do a soundtrack for a movie and then for a tv so tv show episode it's completely different Mm -hmm. the thing that you've got to understand is sometimes when you don't notice the music that actually is a good thing because you may not know this it may be affecting you even if you're not noticing it and that is what i noticed specifically with andor and some other episodes as well because it's not these it's not these cinematic overtures that john williams is most famous for what it does if you are feeling what the characters are feeling Mm -hmm. uh at certain times (laughs) and if you are getting nervous uh, for your characters in certain scenes especially when all the villagers were clanging all those things and mm-hmm. you were seeing the expressions if you were feeling that it wasn't just because the actors were doing a good job i was paying attention to the music and it was just like it was uncomfortable music and that's when you know you're doing your job and that it's doing its job for the show sometimes not noticing the music is a good thing because it's complementing what you're watching. And I felt that it did a good job with these first three episodes. And there was some, there was some certain like percussion things that they were doing to make you feel uncomfortable as you're listening and watching mm-hmm. at the same time. I'm going, this is working for me. And I've already heard people bitching about the, Oh, it's, you know, it's not Giacchino or it's, it's not uh, Gorgonson. I'm forgetting his name from the right, Mandalorian. Right. Blah, Cause Gorgonson really, make sure that you know what it is and they give him moments to shine. This is more of a complimentary thing. And you really need to know the difference between that. Without The show, the show doesn't need Kevin. Exactly. The show doesn't need heroic music. It doesn't need a orchestra with 50 musicians, you know, it's subtle. It's in the background. The tone of the show calls exactly for that type of music that we heard either subconsciously Right yeah. or, you know, on purpose. Um, again, the, the the beginning of the show when he walks in the rain, those little subtle tones, mm-hmm. you know, already set up the whole mood of the of the of, of what's going to happen next. And the other key too is when knowing not to have music mm-hmm. as well, and 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 that's just that's not necessarily always comes from the composer, but sometimes it does. I've heard stories where John Williams goes no. Or Giacchino goes, no, and you hear that, no, you, you need to keep, you know, you need to just have the sound effects and the dialogue happening. And knowing when not to do it, also, I have to give credit to the composers as well, because they don't want to flood everything with what they're doing, you know. Right, right. And Kevin, I'm glad you brought that up, because I I, I'm, I guess, you know, ad- adjustment is the word I, I'm I'm using personally. But going from John Williams to you know other people doing music, 
And the Mandalorian music has been, uh, much like the show, a struggle to get into at times. But I absolutely love the subtlety of this music. Mm -hmm. And you you actually broke it down perfectly, uh, matching what my what my head was trying to struggle to you know think of. So thank you. Welcome. Yeah. I, I think too, one of the things with with the music in this show too, because like you said, Kevin, it's subtle and it's influencing you without you even realizing it. And it works because of what the nature of this show is, with it being a spy thriller and espionage, being on the dark and dirty side. You don't want that boombastic overtures mm -hmm. in there. Right. You, you, right. You, it, it helps keep it on that lower key that what it needs. But David, one of the things too that I found so fascinating was this planet and how in the, with even though we have this vastness of Star Wars of a Star Wars universe and. We know we're going to explore that as we go on, but telling this tale and we basically see the planet that Cassian's currently living on with the flashbacks to the planet he came from. But yet there was something about the planet he was currently living on that was just felt so rich and like yep. this environment was just can, I just, was, can I just point out though, guys, yeah. that it's refreshing to see a, a character on a planet and it's not a desert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that <laughs> That 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 is very much true, but it's again, not like planning, Desert Twenty Seven or something. Yeah, and I, I think I think too that's one of the things, Marcus, that I liked was that this planet kind of represented what the what the feel of the show is at, yeah. at this point. So the the Ferrix, right? This is actually lives Ferrix. Um, yeah. I think the majority of the set that was built in England was was Ferrix, and I think because of that, you know, they had the time, money. Um, the, the place, the space to build all that, and that makes it so rich. Just like you mentioned, at times yeah. I felt like, okay, this could be like this could be Galaxy's Edge around the corner, right? The the detail they put into any of that was just amazing. I mean, the the, the craft um, is is outstanding. I wish I wish I could walk the streets of Ferrix and and look at all the details because they are there. As a viewer, we just don't see them, but I think we know they're there. And that's really, to me, in my opinion, much appreciated that they took so much time and effort into making the way, making it the way it looks. You know, Marcus, now you pointed out, it's probably going to be a Galaxy's Edge extension within like six months. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if they have space. Yeah, Kevin, I know you had something you wanted to weigh in on this. Too. I remember seeing some overhead shots of them working on this set. Yeah, I remember yeah. Every, everyone, first of all, thought it was uh, uh, the set for Obi-Wan, but uh, we found out that we were corrected later that it was Andor. And this really, this that's when I was like, okay, they're really going to do, uh, you know, an actual physical place. And when you go out somewhere and build a set like that, it's physical, it's real. S having them do the volume is really cool. Um, but you do kind of feel its limitations sometimes mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't, they do a good job of tricking you, but there's just something about having real sets and people w stepping on and picking stuff up. But also too, you notice that it's just not all facades. There's some offices and yep. there's some trading stuff that you actually, they built the inside of it. So you can see out the window and the people walking by it. Exactly. And, yep. That is really, really cool. And yep, part of me, I hope, they keep it there 
I mean, they can switch some stuff around to change the planet if they want, because there are some very clever ways they built things that they can change some fa- mm-hmm, facades mm-hmm. here and there to where they can keep it going maybe for season two on and represent another planet because they have to mm-hmm. leave Ferrix now, or he does anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I kind of hope they keep that around. And, and for Star Wars fans, uh, let's annoy that little town nearby and let's go visit it, you know? <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm seeing that kind of stuff with, uh, with photos of the, the sets for the Acolyte. And I'm like, yes, go back to real sense. Build this stuff. Look, I the volume is great. It has its moments. You know, I mean, sure, Obi-Wan and Vader looked like they were playing the game of peekaboo when they were fighting each other, whatever. But I love the real set. You know, I'm I'm speaking real sets and you know, real tangible stuff and whatnot. I'm almost reminded of the, you know, a special effect is just a tool, means of telling a story. A special effect uh, story is a pretty boring thing. I want to see that again. I want to feel that again. I, I haven't really felt that phrase since the prequels, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think Kevin brought up a great point too. Kevin, I give you props for this. Because I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it. With having those practical sets, ha- being able to have the inside of a building. Or with the volume, that's what I think one of the weaknesses is the mm-hmm. volume. That transition between in and out of rooms and different buildings always felt a li- feels a little bit awkward. Kevin, we've talked about this too. When Discovery tries to use their version of the vol- volume, okay. the, the, the awkwardness of it. So having, I think what I'm, what I'm hoping here, and I, we talked about this a little bit before we started the show is i hope we we figure out a way to merge these two things together where we can use the volume for when we have to have something really outrageous that maybe it's hard to pull off in a physical effect present but that the majority of this is physical on location shooting because nothing makes up for that and it it just Mm -hmm. adds watching this andor film remind our andor episodes reminded me how important that being in that physical presence on 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 set is and how important it is to I think the actors as well because there's still something more physical around them than just the volume and mm-hmm. a few yeah. little props to put in the volume. And I I think it speaks to a larger issue. And again, this goes a little bit with the okay, whatever's on the movie side and the whole 2025 thing. And I, I swear it that you know A and B connect here, guys. Follow me on this. <laughs> But, you know, with the, with the hell that productions have been through the last few years, and it just now feeling like it's getting back to full swing, I think these three episodes, and I have a feeling the other, you know, nine to come, but particularly these three are an indication that we're, we're, we're getting back to a sense of real production value again. You know, like with the, these episodes and with real sets being built for the Acolyte filming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I could be reading into too much. And as Star Wars fans, we tend to do that probably too healthy or unhealthy no. level. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I, I think there's a. I think there's a lot of directors who are very happy that they can get outside of the volume and work at the volume. They love the volume as a tool, but I think there's a lot more that feel like Tony Gilroy. I want that practical hands-on feel right, when I'm making right. a film. So um, 
David, I want to ask you though, because I want to get into the cast here real quick because yep. it was a phenom- it's a phenomenal cast on the show, David. Um, I just gotta say, obviously we knew what we were getting with Diego Luna and Cassian Andor, but mm-hmm. I guess to tell you for me, Stellan Skarsgård is just a presence on the screen in the show that's just unmatched. Stellan Skarsgård. First of all, I love the fact that this uh, these episodes, right, this show is making up for the fact that Thor the Dark World just made him a joke. <laughs> well, anyway, he's he's such a phenomenal actor and I mean Kevin, we saw we saw that scene with the IMAX with the in the IMAX trailer with him. And that mm-hmm. was such a powerful scene. But he Kevin, he he just has so much gravitas in this show when he's on screen, Kevin. Were you feeling that? Oh yeah. He uh I love the fact that he was teaching Andor from the start. Rings in the air, doesn't it? Why don't you let me count that money? Well, they'll think about it soon enough. We should get moving. Soon enough. I'll have something else to listen to. You don't want to get caught with it. Well, they'd hang me, wouldn't they? Take me up Bricks Road and hang me in the square. Wouldn't be the first time, would it? Isn't that where they hung your father? Who are you? What is this? I said I know you. I know all about you. Yes, I want the box, and I'll leave with that if it's all I can get. I came looking for something more, and I think I found it. I'd like you to come with me. How do you know about me? I was hoping for a more relaxed conversation, but you're right, we don't have time. Contrary to what you told me, I doubt that you'll be sticking around. I know you killed two corpus at Molana One. I know they're coming for you. Seems like such a waste to let them have you. Waste of talent. Who are you? That's the wrong question. The right question is, how much time do we have to get out of here? Why would I go anywhere with you? Don't you want to fight these bastards for you? You know, uh, about how to do things, you know, and what's really, really funny, and this is kind of a deep cuts, but but go with me here. One of my favorite roles of him, and he played a horrible person, but he was awesome, was in the movie Ronin with Robert De Niro. Yep. I don't know if you remember, but he was kind of like the assassin guy that also like backstabbed him, mm-hmm. did the switcheroo with the suitcase. Oh, oh but, God, yes. But what's funny is that in this episode of Andor, one of the things that he taught was is when you walk into a situation, plan your exit right away. Yep. And if you remember the movie, that's exactly what Robert De Niro does when in the beginning, when he goes in to meet everyone, he like plants a gun. He looks at where the exit is and everything. And I just I immediately thought of that film because uh, he was such a horrible person, but he was so electric to watch. And the way that he commands the scene scenes, especially with Andor in here and, you know, realizing that, yeah, that box MacGuffin thing, that's important. But what he sees in Andor is a lot more important. And I love the fact that he's teaching him and uh, he's like, I need to get this guy out of here because he's going to be the key to helping me uh, create some havoc against the Empire. Plus, he knows about him, right? He knows about his his, his father, um, which completely takes, you know, Cassian by surprise. And I think always that, um, also think that um, Luthen was always in control. He was totally... Um, you know, like when, when, uh, is it Bix? Yeah, when Bix told him that, you know, um, Cassian is wanted, 
Um, there's a, there's a search warrant out for him. He doesn't care. Um, he goes. He, he, he already goes knew. Through. He's like, yeah, I already know. <laughs> yeah, he goes through with his plans. You know, he's just, um, um, just you know, just like Kevin said, when when they meet up, when they met up in the factory, just the way the the, the few things that he could teach Cassian already made such an impact, in my opinion. Never um, carry anything you don't control. <laughs> yeah. Right, yep. right, right. <laughs> we all we do that every day. Our phones. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, I'll, I'll ask you first. Besides, obviously, Diego and Stellan, who in the who in the cast really stood out for you in these first three episodes? Because I, I, there were some very interesting performances. Ooh, I got one. I got one. I go ahead, David. Okay, Marcus, go. No, it's okay. Well. um the uh, the deputy inspector, right? The I guess the only American on set. Um, uh, Kyle Solar as uh, Cyril. Yeah, Sarah Karn, yeah. He okay, um, okay. I'm glad the Kyle McLaughlin him. lookalike. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up, Marcus, because Go I'm ahead. gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a question of all the group right now. Go ahead. And, you know, I'm watching this a second time, right? And I'm. I get to his character and I'm like, oh my God, I I realized something. Star Wars finally has its own equivalent of the Bully Maguire meme. Yeah, no, what I what I what I what I found interesting with Cyril Parkus just real quick was of course. the aspect of this is this is the a guy we I, he's almost like a in a way he kind of reminded me of a junior Hux just in that He's mm-hmm. kind of got a little bit of sibling, but he's working angles all the time. You can you can tell he's got his own agenda working. He's a little more power hungry than he's letting on, but he's also over dedicated to the cause. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he, what he said, he 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 uh, changed his 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 outfit, his uniform. He altered it. Um, so and you know the the chief chief Hine, he said, okay, when I'm gone, you know, don't put your legs on my on my table. Um, you know, just I expect a report when I get back. <laughs> That's the complete opposite. Um, and you know he goes by the book, right? He doesn't. He doesn't want to falsify anything. Um, so, and that really, like, there's an inner conflict in him that quickly, that quickly wins in favor of pursuing, you know, Cassian, trying to find him. And then, sorry, I'm going a bit ahead of a bit ahead already. But the look on his face when everything failed is is, is priceless. Um, when he's on the streets of Ferrix, everything around him is is injured, dying. You know, on, on fire. He's like, "What have I done?" Um, and then, you know, and off off they ride into the into the sunset, so to say, and get off the planet. But uh, he's he. Um, I mean, there are so many characters um, in there, but he kind of stood out because he was pretty much there in the beginning, uh, from 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 the start, um, as as somebody that I hope continues to appear. Yeah, so, Kevin. What about sure. you? I'm sure he'll continue to appear. He'll just be um, cut down to ego size next week. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I, his come up if we see it is going to be quite interesting. Kevin, who who in this cast outside of Diego and Stellan who grabbed your attention? What is a character that really grabbed your attention? Uh, Chief Hine, played by Rupert Vence uh, Venstart, I think, who is basically mm-hmm. he's the guy that has a lot more experience, but he's uh, he, he's under uh, Cyril here, right? And he's mm-hmm. kind of getting all the troops into shape, but also like setting up uh, Cyril's character to kind of like, you really need to take the next step. 
And I like that he kind of does that when he's like, are we just going to stand here? And he's like, you know, you know, you know, point. And I think that he was one of those really cool characters that stood out. Also the hostess played by Margaret uh, Clooney. I mm-hmm. thought she was really cool. I love that kind of wide hair that she had going yeah. on. But you, I, I hope that we see her again because I feel like she's the type of person that you go to to learn about other people and other things. And I like that. But I was really curious because I always like to know, like, who does the droid stuff? And I was looking up uh, B, B2EMO, was done yeah. by Dave Chapman. And mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, uh, he is famous for also helping with um, – uh, I'm sorry, what's his name? Brian, uh, the puppeteers for BB-8. And I actually met Dave Chapman and Brian at Dragon Con back in 2018 or yeah, 2017, maybe. Nice. So anyway. right around the right around the time they would have been working on everything. Yeah, yeah. And they they were doing their convention appearances. And I me- I remember I went to their panel talking about mm-hmm. how they were you know doing the BB-8 stuff. And I actually got a picture with them with a signed BB-8, which I thought was really cool. And they were very nice. So uh, nice. give it up to Dave Chapman. Nice. Can, can I just point out B2 Emo? First of all, the most obvious, you know, <laughs> catchy name for a droid. <laughs> oh, a droid I love for- his... I love his design too. His design was really cool because it kind of came across as a chopper slash like Bob from uh, Black Hole. Mm-hmm. You're not quite working really well, and he has to like, you know, he's kind of like it reminds me of like doing the internet in the late '90s. There's the buffering thing going on, you know. <laughs> well, it, it, it really, it really no, did. Yeah. But I, I have, I have it, I have it for you on B2 emo. Excuse me, David. He, he was a cross between Bob from the Black Hole and Wally. With the way he was designed. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I will say though, when he's when he when we see him in the flashbacks and he's cleaned up, he look. I'm sorry, but he looks like a Happy Meal toy. <laughs> is that a bad a little, thing? Is that a bad uh, thing? No, I Happy Meal toy. Happy meal. <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad thing. <laughs> so, so, Come on. Um, it, took you this long, it took this long to get right so back on the show. I'm not screwing up now. <laughs> okay, guys. So I think the one character we haven't really hit on that a lot of people are talking about is Bix. And mm-hmm. Oh, wow. uh, obviously, obviously, I'm sure she's quite popular out there on the outer rim because you know, oh yeah, the, the pickings might be a little slim, but <laughs> um, I, I, I gotta say, she, she, she's a very. I hope she's around for a good portion of the show because I think there's a lot of interesting backstory between her and Cassian. We haven't yeah. even scratched the surface yeah. on. Oh yeah, absolutely, and. And I will just say, maybe this is a little jab in the movie she was in, but I'll just point this out. That Sony, Sony, I'm looking at you, Sony. This is a far better use of Adrian Arjona than whatever you were doing with her in Morbius. I'm busy. I'll be quick. What? Your friend. What friend? The one who buys your secret friend. How fast can you reach him? What happened here? I fell. On what? A jealous husband? I have something to sell. Don't we all? 
How soon could it be here? It's planning to reach out at the end of the month. No, no. This would have to be now. For what? For an item? No, it's not how it works. I bundle things before I make contact. Fix. Fix. Come on. There's a TAC Corvette coming in this week. Looking for scrap. I'm told there's a rack of Imperial targeting units someone might forget to strip out. We get that, that thing you've got. I've got a few naval comms scans. I can't wait that long. Why? I, she, just, she played five in Six Underground, too. That's where I was like, she looks familiar. She looks familiar. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, true. I, that's true. I was trying to ignore Six Underground for Michael <laughs> Bay reasons. <laughs> Point but taken. I, yeah. I, I found her character very intriguing, and there's still a lot of mystery there. But let's, let's also, guys, come on. You have to admit it. A pretty face will screw a guy up, and a uh, pretty face made Tim's life pretty miserable and made him make some not so wise decisions in this, these first three episodes that unfortunately right, to his right, untimely yeah, demise. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the rule number one, guys, don't be a snitch. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. A pretty face that is caught between, <laughs> is caught between a Tim and Diego Luna. I, okay. It's hold like, on. I'm can sorry. I, can I mention yeah, something real quick, Kyle? Yeah, you just brought ahead, something up that made me think of something here. You said, don't be a snitch, right? This planet, to me, is a, or at least this city, was a city of no snitches. And yeah. the way that they kind of built their life around, didn't this guy not learn to okay. not do that and bring extra attention to where you are? That is a city of no snitching. See how they work together? Yeah, he that's the whole kind of alarm system that they built. Yeah, either people know knew or there was something there, but... If he was there for a while, he should have learned, you know, snitches get stitches. Is that what they say now? Yeah. <laughs> or in this case, a laser <laughs> shot to the chest. Yeah. But anyway, sorry yeah. to interrupt, yeah. but that, that, that just know. rang there. So, I mean, but whatever the know, history. You know what? Maybe you should, maybe you should have rethought two M's in his name. Oh, so there we go. Yeah. yeah. He lost an M, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> oh, he lost a bit more than that. What I do find yeah. interesting is the guy that played him also played one of the pilots in uh, The Force Awakens. Yeah, he, he he was one of the X-Wing pilots in Force Awakens. So. You know what? You know what? Breaking news. He is now playing the role of Dirt. Yeah. yeah. Nope. He's six feet under is his new name. His character. <laughs> name, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the other things I found so interesting here, and it's, it's as, as we're, we're talking about this, because I want to get, we'll get to the flashbacks here soon, but mm. um, it's an interesting place for the Empire because the Empire is really kind of just still, they've been in power for a little bit, but they're still not 100% in power. But how do you guys feel about the portrayal of the fact we have no stormtroopers in this? We have mm. no real strong signs of the Empire other than, mention, other than the mention of the Empire when the chief has to go leave to go to the whole his region. Regional report. I I kind of like this aspect because we're we're seeing again new things, and I know the cosplayers are probably going, "Oh right, we have a new uniform out there yep, to yep. make up." The five hundred first might have a whole new division before it's all said and done. The IOC is going excellent. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that, they're getting out the Mister Burns fingers. Yes, yes. 
That stands for Actuarial <laughs> Officers Corps, for those of you that don't know. IOC. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that the Empire is basically outsourcing <laughs> at this point? I like that. I, mean, I like that because, um, you know, Chief uh, Hine, he said to, uh, to Cyril, he said, okay, you know, make that report because we don't want to draw any attention, you know, because he's, what well, he's going to some regional Imperial command meeting or meetup or, uh, and he said, you know, I have to, I have to give a report and I have to talk about crime. And, you know, if there's no crime here, then, then they leave us alone. Right. So I, f I found that okay, that we didn't see, you know, the usual stuff that we always see. Right. I mean, we'll see it eventually just based on, I guess, trailers, but um, in the beginning, it's it's fine. It's totally it's totally fine. It's this backwater planet that's governed by, you know, this this you know preox authority that um, is being outsourced. You know, over the empire outsources to them, um, and it's it's totally fine. I, I don't I don't need to be, I don't need I don't need that in every in every single episode on every single Star Wars show um, right from the start. Right, as much as I love stormtroopers, I don't need to see them every every single day, every single time. Well, you're I a little really, biased. Folks, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I, I, David, I think it really helps set the tone of this too. That it is a different. It's this is a different Star Wars by not having those familiar things that we're so used to. It right. did. It did. And you know what? The interesting thing, like with the the the, I'll call them the blue guys. You know. By the way, Marcus, you pointed out that one of them looked like the one of the small guys from <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Oh, uh, Sergeant Mosk? Is it him? Yeah. Was it Kostak? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. He looked like, uh, like, uh, what's his name? Um, the twins, one of the twins from Alice in Wonderland. Um, yep. Uh, yep. And I totally agree with that. But I pretty much knew from the trailers, just because of, you know, uniform difference and so on. Obviously, the ISB, which I think we'll end up seeing later, like with that, um, uh, we haven't seen her in the show yet, but she looks like she's playing the female equivalent of Krennic in this show. But obviously, the ISB is outsourcing uh, with these guys. So I'm just like, the uniforms kind of made me go, wait a minute, that's not ISB uniforms. I think yeah. I I think that seeing this side of Star Wars is something that uh, fans have kind of been alluding to for quite a while. Yes, we want to see the Jedi and we want to see the Mandos and we want to see the Stormtroopers. That's Star right. Wars. Well, I think it's important to expand the world outside of these other worlds that aren't necessarily occupied by the big bad or by the the big good, depending on uh, mm -hmm. your aspect on this and. It's interesting that, you know, if you're going to reach the galaxy, sometimes you have to outsource, you know, because you need you need to you need to find people that will fight for your cause, mm -hmm. or uphold your cause at mm -hmm. a cost, I'm sure. And it's important to see that this is the type of thing that goes on around the world to, to spread your reach if you can't send stormtroopers everywhere. Now, mm -hmm. I can see the Empire getting a little note going, uh-oh, what's happening over there on Ferrix? Our uh, people that we outsourced to got the butts kicked. Let's go ahead and send the garrison down there with some stormtroopers, mm -hmm. and then we might see it. But this is the type of thing that we need to see what's happening in the Star Wars world and how it's affecting other people as well. Totally. I totally agree, yeah. 
You know, because so, I mean, it's a huge galaxy, huge, you know, opportunities for just any kind of stories and or or otherwise. Yeah, uh, you know, and and it just really excites me that we're not so laser focused on the drama of a family that you know if you look really really closely at the first six movies there's so much drama there it makes the kennedy family seem normal <laughs> <laughs> so guys one of the other things i want to talk about because we really didn't hit our action sequences we had a little bit in the beginning beginning with uh and or down in the where the brothel and we investigate, but the third episode mm-hmm. really hits the action sequences. And oh, I gotta say, boy. I loved the action sequences in this third episode. They, 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 they were they were intense. Obviously, those of you who saw the pre, who watched the preview, whether it was before the IMAX showing of Rogue One or when it came out later on Disney Plus, we see that a little mm-hmm. bit of that battle in the warehouse. But to mm-hmm. see the extended things of that, and to see the early things of the rebellion. In some of the dirty tricks that they that, that they do, I, I loved everything Andor set up with that speeder and just you know it just it just had that feeling of again a Star Wars battle, but still something a little different about it, Marcus. Right. So you know, with with Andor, as we have already seen in Rogue One, he's pretty ruthless, right? He kills his informant uh, in cold blood, you know, after he hurt himself, and then just for him to escape. Um, and you know we see the same thing um, on uh, is it Morlana one uh, where he you know shot one of the officers um, in, in the face. So he, he, whatever he's done after he was um, after he was uh, picked up on um, Canari and before we see him, he's done some stuff, man. He's uh, he's he knows everything. I think he, he's he, you know he, he is uh, he influences people. He manip- he manipulates them. He knows all the tricks in the book. And I think um, we see that to a great effect here. Um, like you said, with the uh, the speeder, Kyle, um, before they, you know, took off on the speeder bike. So he, um, you know, he's not, you know, infallible, but he, he's pretty confident in what he's doing, in, in my opinion. And um, yeah, he, he still has a lot to learn, though, that um, Luthen made sure to let him know that. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's not, he's not polished so green. He's he's pretty rough around the edges, and I think once he is, you know, once uh, he's off the planet, he's and he knows what's really out there, and there's there's a cause, um, you know, for like you know, in, in essence, the 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 rebellion. Uh, he's he's getting he's getting his polish done. Um, so the you know, and and we look at the you know, we'll come to the flashbacks too, but I think um, he you know he. He kind of knows what he wants, but he doesn't. But I think, I think, um, I think, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Luthen gives him a purpose, and then that's what we see. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's really and Marcus, I love the point you brought up with, uh, especially Luthen and Cassian, because it's almost like the the um, the hero's journey call. We're seeing mm-hmm. this portion of it where Cassian's called to something greater. And that something greater is, you know, fighting these bastards. By the way, it's it's rather interesting and nice to hear a, a Star Wars something that's not a book drop drop the bastards were 
I uh, just just found that a little amusing. Yeah, but, I, I think that was one of the be- best lines in the episode, though. David is when uh, Luthen tells him, "You really want to fight these guys," and I because I think that sends sends such an interest interesting message that it's like, like I said, he's almost like he's activating him, like he's just he's found that button to push on Cassian. Yeah, yep. no, it's it's a real sort of Tinker Taylor soldier spy where he. Luthen really knows how to push the buttons with this. I mean, you can see that when he drops a line about, you know, uh, isn't that where they hunt your father? And that sets Cassian off, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, by the way, an elder character on telling someone about their father, yeah, that's not a surprise in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, father issues are a big thing in Star Wars. Kevin, what about you? What did you think of these action sequence in that, and especially in this third episode? Because it, it just felt like everything went up to a level that we haven't seen in a while. To me, honestly, we haven't seen in a while in a Star Wars show. I started feeling uh, the tensions of those scenes that we saw building in, in episode one and two. And that's why I thought it was smart that they uh, released three in a row here. Because I have a feeling, just going to throw it out there, that they just released episode one. Star Wars fans would have gone boring, worst yep. show ever, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I was paying attention to the nuances of the, you know, even the little looks between um, Bix and uh, I'm just gonna call him the uh, the snitch guy, the yeah, the like, right. oh, I'm tired, like, nah, nah, I've been around too many women to go. That that, that ain't what really happening there. But these little <laughs> things that were building up to what eventually we were gonna see. And, mm-hmm. you know, also having <laughs> having been uh, teased that scene in the end with uh, uh, Cassian and um, uh, Luthen, is that his name? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, you had a feeling it was building up to that, though, but I wasn't sure when it was going to happen. But, uh, you know, I, I love that the tension that I was feeling in episode one and two got its payoff and I was nervous for like certain people. Uh, and mm-hmm. like um, Cassian's adoptive mother, uh, played by Fiona um, uh, Shaw. Yes, uh, I can only think of her in, in Harry Potter, of course, playing the horrible aunt. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was it's nice yeah. to see her <laughs> kind of like eat a little moment there, going, it gets worse when you don't hear the, you know, that type of stuff. And oh, then, yeah, yeah. Boom, stuff starts that. happening. You know, the, the, divi- that, the divide and was- conquer that the locals did uh, with uh, um, the security force there was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, By the I, way, I, really I, like- I got to give you kudos because when you did the boring, that was the best impersonation of, uh, you know, Star Wars Twitter I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Star Wars fans are hating Star Wars again. That meme. Yeah. What, what, what else is new? Um, Okay, guys, I want to yeah, talk about else? the flashbacks. Yes, flashbacks. I want to talk about the flashbacks, too, because I think there's a couple of important hints that were dropped in these flashbacks. Oh, you obviously, mean the Lord of the Flies flashbacks? Oh, you know, I, I think it's, I would like, I, I'm going to be curious. Lord of the Flies, they fought the... against each other, though. I've, I've heard this comparison. These guys, they, this was a tight crew, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Lord of the Flies-esque, though, because yes. there was All a vibe there. Yeah, they were. I'm, th- uh, I'm really thinking good. more of a uh, like a Peter Pan Lost Boys thing, but just yes. less, less singing. Yeah, there you go. Yes. That, 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 that'll work. Now, of course, of course, you know, that'll I learned. I do. Yeah. I must apologize, Kevin. It's been a while since I read that book, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, what I want to say too is I've learned I do not want to experience death by pincushion. Because ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that took yeah, a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know you know what's weird, Kyle? I'm gonna just okay. bring this up. When uh, you know, and and uh uh marvel was talking about it later you know it burned off take your mask off that kind of thing and mm -hmm. you get the feeling of some kind of you know something virus that took everybody out on that ship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for some reason i'm watching this and i can't help uh, marcus you've heard you know this guy do this before i can't help but hear jimmy max dr vindy impression in my head Oh, the German, yeah, German accent. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, Vindy, get out, get out. The well, blue witch has no virus. One of the things that they do say is this planet basically gets killed by mining. It gets overmined. So I'm kind of wondering if that's the, if there was chemicals on the ship or what, whatever was happening there. But yeah, that's I want to ask thinking. you guys. I want to ask mm -hmm. you guys, Kevin. I'm going to start with you guys because we have this conversation all the time about turning on subtitles during. A show so we can catch certain words. <laughs> they didn't subtitle nope. that language. And, uh, which, yeah, which, nope. I, which I'm fine with. I think that it's they actually added it added to the nuance of another alien language. And I think that's really important that you can do that. But you know, the way these young actors were working together and the facial expressions and stuff, you can tell yeah. kind of get the feeling what was said. But I, yeah. I just want to mention, since you're mentioning the flashbacks, Kyle, I did want to mention the very end of episode three. I thought was really cool where you saw the young uh, Andor being rescued or taken away Mm -hmm. on the ship and then you're showing andor uh being rescued yes. uh, and being taken away and you're there yeah. especially the scene where she kind of looks around at the young andor but then it it shows the older andor looking ahead in the cockpit I, that was brilliant i don't know if, if anyone else noticed how oh, yeah. they combine those two scenes together I, and yep. I yeah. just I Kevin thought Mark. that was one of the the coolest scenes uh, that was done and, and well done to the director and the editor and, and the yeah, actors. Beautiful that. edit that on that. Yeah, beautiful edit Absolutely. on that. I mean, if you're going to do flashbacks at all, be that kind of creative with it. You know, where you're going back from back and forth in your narrative and the same thing, the same sort of uh, event is happening in different times but mirror yeah. that you know really use of, of that whole thing and i guess you know since flashbacks are part of the the narrative of of, of the structure now just in general um that you know we're gonna have to get used to that but this is probably the most uh i've seen and i'm you know i'm like 90 percent more biased than most of the internet at times I know, shocking, but yeah, uh, you know, for me, it's probably the most brilliant use of it. Yeah, I think it, I think it's being used as a good storytelling thing. We obviously learned that Candor, or that, um, and and or Cassian has been a ladies' man since very early on. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we learned that. But guys, I want to see how many of you picked up those sharp ears when they were talking about when they Marva and Clem show up and they're talking about it. They don't mm -hmm. say empire; they say republic ship. They do. I did notice that. Yeah. Another thing so, I noticed that when uh, the the one of the 
the young uh, girl is coming up on that ship, you know, before mm-hmm. she's shot. In the, um, I'm like, what's with the 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 signia on these guys? Is that separatists? It is separatists. Yep. Yep. Get out of there, David. Something on there. That kind of. I have a question I, for you guys. Should, yeah, go ahead, Marcus. Sorry, so I had to look this up, and I was trying to put this all together time-wise. So Cassian was born 26 BBY. That only made him. That only makes him 21 in the show, right? At, at the moment, the actor is, is 42, but it only he's only 21. So the flashback, he was what 10? I don't know, 11, 12. Uh, Marcus, well, he ages incredibly well. What can we say? Yeah. He wasn't on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a, yeah, yeah exactly. On so already, that gives him a non-Kenobi advantage. Yeah, a, a, exactly. But I, so, I love the fact that we're we're seeing that there's dirty stuff going on with the within the Republic more so. And I know it kind of takes us back to the um, Phantom Menace when they talk about you know uh, Amidala's like, what do you mean there's slavery out here when they're on Tatooine? And things like that, right. and just how blind the Republic was to the the outer rims, and even with the Empire, they treat it the same way. They're just sending the rental cops out there, and yeah, you, you have you have the you have the one guy talking about well, there's pockets of insurgents. Mm-hmm. They're they're growing. There's pockets here. I, I just I find that all very ironic. Yeah the the Empire is outsourcing and sending the Paul Blart mall cops to take care of everything. <laughs> So, um, and one but, of them actually looks Paul Blart. How weird! Yeah, but I, flashbacks have become such a part, an integral part of a lot of TV shows lately. So I want to give you guys because you know sometimes they're well, well done and people like them. Sometimes people feel, feel that they're a little controversial. Um, uh, each of you guys, did you did you think the flashbacks definitely added to the story or? You think it was just kind of like okay, well, this is intriguing, but I'm, you know, well, it, I'm more it showed, concerned about what's happening in front of me. It showed, you know, some of I guess his origin, where he's from, or at least where he was, where he was when he was at, at that age. Um, and I don't think we're gonna have any more because you know it ends with you know um, Marva and Clem, the husband, taking him off the planet. I think that's it. There's no more, you know, no more going back. You know, the sister is so still there. Use Marcus. It was good use, um, but I think they shouldn't overuse it. It shouldn't be a common, a common thing for the next nine episodes. Um, right. You know, again, he's no, looking, he's looking, he's looking for his sister. Yeah. That I'm assuming was his sister in the flashbacks. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, maybe there's going to be something more, but I think we're done with that because again, he's off the planet, and that's it. Yeah. So I think we should just focus on on the now. Kevin, sense. what about you? What did you think about the use of the flashbacks in these episodes? I think it was good to know. And, and I like the fact that we got kind of a tribal kid out of this. We didn't get like, you know, uh, some rich kid that lost their parents or some poor kid that did uh, that. We kind of got um, an actual like indigenous tribe, sort of speak, that mm-hmm. is rescued because Fiona Shaw's character knows that when they see what happened, and they see all those darts in that guy, they're going to go, who did this? <laughs> and they're going to hunt these people down and kill them. And so uh, I, I like that we kind of got that, you know, he obviously, uh, you know, didn't, didn't speak basic, 
And but this is kind of cool though because it kind of explains Diego's um, accent too that could have you know come from this as well uh, if you want to get, if you want to get that deep I'm just saying mm-hmm. that's one of the things that came to my head but uh, I don't uh, expect that we'll see any more flashbacks of the planet and that but we might see maybe a little bit of him learning uh, about this new world that now he's part of whether he likes it or not mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think that's a good point because I do think in one of these flashbacks we might actually see what exactly happened to Clem because I think it, I think it helps define the character of Andor as well. Yeah. But David, mm-hmm. what, you, what, what about you? What, what what were your feeling on these flashbacks? You you are you good and you're done, or do you want to see him use a little bit more? I love the use of the flashbacks uh, in here because uh, and and Kevin uh, you know uh, uh, brought it up and I'll I'll add on to it. I love this sort of indigenous uh, tribal uh, feel and look of, uh, you know, uh, the flashbacks because it gives another side of Star Wars, a, a side that's, you know, important. And and by the way, can I just bring up with Merva? It's nice to see a mother actually do something other than send her son away. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see that. I gotta bring that up, but uh, I thought it was good. Case in point, you know, in the flashbacks, when you have the ship that came down and the kids are all going toward it, right? Yep. And see, I think I was in episode two. You see, uh, uh, Cassian look down at the wreckage. Uh, Kyle, Kevin, if if you agree or, or or not, feel free to you know chime in here. But it almost felt like a, a reverse of Luke looking at the twin sons. I think, in a way, I can see where you're coming from, David, because it's Cassian seeing a different world for the first time mm-hmm. from what yeah. he's what he's experienced. While Luke's law, and it's I want to say it's the same thing, but. It's representing a change where Luke looking at the twin sons longing to be out in the galaxy where you have Cassian right, looking right. down on this and having yeah. his life about to completely change. I yeah. saw it I saw it as someone who if they were an experienced warrior and scout, they would have uh, warned their leader before she got shot. And I think learning this survival type of skill, that might have been his first lesson. That's the, the feeling that I got. Yeah, no, I couldn't totally see that. Yeah, I think he, um, he wasn't. I think he wasn't well regarded in his tribe. You know, when he was yeah. putting on his, trying to put on his, his, I don't know, war paint or whatever. Um, you know, one of the yeah, like kind that, of an you know, outcast, maybe or something in his own. Tribe. Yeah, maybe he came yeah. to them later. Again, I don't yeah. know how wow. this all, how they all came together and what happened, but um, and then the leader said, "No, let let him, you know, let him put it on. He's he's one of us." And we see him kind of lagging behind all the time, so I think yeah. that might be his first like foray into. Well, and, he, and, the, and sorry, and then the way he looked at the you know, the abandoned mine was like, my gosh, you know, what, what's going on here? So I think I think either a he hasn't been there that long, or b he wasn't just he wasn't part of the, you know, the the tribe yet that maybe ventures out and, and grabs you know food or whatever. I, I think he might have been overstepping his bounds. Maybe he wasn't old enough yet to be part of that party. Mm-hmm. That's what they were yeah. were, were yeah, trying I, to do because all the kids seemed like they were a little bit older than he was in this mm-hmm. aspect, and I think he was kind of crushing on the kind of the leader there a little yeah. bit, and he wanted to make an impression, and 
and things like that. And I think the leader, she was like, no, he, he's got to learn at some point. So that's why, why he came right. along. But I, I think it establishes very early with Cassian too, why he probably doesn't have close relationships. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I got, Oh darn. I just lost the thought. <laughs> It'll come back to you, but I, I kind of, I, you know, I, I, we kind of get, close to, get, to wrapping up here guys but mm-hmm. you know i want to ask each of you i think each of you give you guys everybody a chance to kind of say you know where do they did, did we kind of talk about we've all loved this but where do you think what where do we go from here obviously we know we're going to get more into the rebellion but and do you think that when this as we were seeing what tony gilroy here is doing do we think it's going going to change maybe the creative direction of some Star Wars and how they consider it, because this, so far the response to the show seems incredibly positive, and people are loving having something different. So, do you, do you think there's something there, Lucasfilm and Disney are going to listen to, too? Because Tony Gilroy's not—he said, "I'm not a huge Star Wars fan," but he loves—he's he, going to tell the story he wants to tell. I'm hoping well, maybe right. this will cause some more freedom for the creators in Star Wars, to where they don't have you to know, be to get outside the box a little bit. You know, David, you know, you. Brought back the thought into my head, Kyle, and I'll ask you because you and I were talking about it when we were doing the pre-show on the regular flagship show, um, and I just gotta ask: I don't see, I don't see Gilroy sticking around, but what you brought up was interesting, and if you could please elaborate on where other, what other spots in the timeline do you see Gilroy sticking around? If Gilroy were to stick around, I think he comes in. He, I think he would take something after uh, the sequel trilogies and start setting up the new world for Star Wars. I think that's because oh, okay. there's that because I think I think there's some cleanup, dirty undercover cleanup there with the, with the first order that needs to be done. But I I want to see him stay right where he's at in this time frame because I think this this shoots it. Or you also maybe go back and he does something with the, within the old Republic. I don't know, but right. I, I just, you know what I, I think I think. He um, stays where he is because when I asked you, I could see Kevin trying to retract from that. It's like, uh, Kevin, do you have thoughts to share? If anyone is going to be asked, I think, to do any Star Wars writing, I think their gut feeling is I want to stay away from anything that happens after the sequel trilogy. I'm sorry. That's my that's my feeling here. I, I think that there's a lot of really good stories that need to be told in this time frame that is the Mandoverse or yeah, the Mandalorian verse and mm-hmm. anything before that. There's a lot of rich storytelling that they can jump on and do. And that's why I'm glad that he is coming back to do this. If he were to continue, um, I would give him the power to choose because I think that I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the future here. I think that Andor will feel and give Tony that this is a guy that gets star Wars, even though he's not a star Wars fan. And I think it's important that there's a balance there. Filoni and Favreau, they're fans of star Wars and, but they get it. They know how to reach into what's happened before and yet move forward. Not everyone has been able to do that well with, with, uh, with star Wars and, having someone that's not necessarily a fan of star Wars should also be given a chance because when it comes down to it, star Wars is characters 
And yes, understanding the world is, is good too. And I think that he does understand, even though he's not a star Wars fan, if you can write good characters and put them in any situation or any time frame that will make good storytelling, whether it's star Wars or not. And I think Tony really understands that because that's why he wanted to return to Andor and tell the story mm -hmm. in the world and, and what, what made him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think those are all interesting points. See, points now I, I, you're right, now Kevin. I feel better having me ask that question originally. Yeah. Well, and I'm all, I think Kevin brings a book. Star Wars is about its characters more than anything else. And I think it's an excellent point that you right. have with that. Oh, as, so as, as, look, as biased an idiot as I can be sometimes, I absolutely agree. I know. Yeah. Shocking. I know. Hot take. Whatever you want to call it. All right? But I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Mark, the, only reason, the only yeah, reason why we have why we have Andor is because we had Rogue One. Otherwise, there would be no Andor. And absolutely, ha yeah. having Rogue One allows us to stay in the same, you know, um, part of the universe, I guess, um, that, that Endor is, is set in. And it allows us to have these um, characters that we don't probably won't, will never see again. You know, Endor, um, so far, is the only one that's, that's returned from Rogue One. And we'll have some more coming up. But, um, again, if, if Rogue One wouldn't be there, obviously Endor wouldn't be there. And the type of storytelling, I think, might have been too risky for um, Disney if um, if let's say Tony Gilroy approached Disney about you know I want to I want to tell the story about this this guy right, right. Um, they would have well, probably said no but well, having you know, Rogue One having had Rogue One and its success um, you know and and, 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 and Tony and, and his brother and all the other writers being so invested in this um, I think it was an easy green lit for Disney to say Sure, you know, go ahead. And we know the ending, right? We know where it ends, so yeah. that's good. Um, I think initially there was, like, a talk of five seasons, but I think that, again, would have been too much. So the first season, right, five years before the next season, every three episodes, one year, getting closer to to uh, the beginning of Rogue One. So I think it's a perfect storytelling. Um, I can't wait what's happening. The future of, you know, live-action series... Can, can we can we kind of copy this? I, I'm not sure. With with what we have right now, you know, Mando, um, Boba Fett. I'm not sure. We would have to veer off into a completely different era um, or area, I guess. Um, yeah. To you know, to maybe copy um, this kind of storytelling. Well, the thing we know, Marcus, coming off of this is at the end of the day. Uh, Rogue One is going to uh, retroactively be Andor Season 3. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but no, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I will point out that with how, you know, uh, uh, Bix called Luthen and, and all the intrigue there, right? <coughs> I say, you know, do it. Do another show in this time frame, but have it be, you know, uh, have it be Bix. I want to see more Bix. Okay, I, I just love Bix. I, I think we're gonna see more Bix. I think that story is nowhere near finished yet. Um, right. I think for me, 
one of the things that I'm hoping that they're learning from this in is that we can do Star Wars and we don't have to include the Jedi in it. That's pr- yes, we need, exactly. We don't need the Jedi in everything. We don't need the Force influencing everything because let, let, let's face it, the Jedi have never, did they really do a good job? Maybe way back in the day, but in, in most of our experience with Star Wars, the Jedi been pretty flawed and. I also I, want to see what I don't. I don't, I don't want the Jedi to be a get out of jail free card and a problem fixer for everything. And that's one of the I other things I like. I about that, if I may just answer that, I'm just gonna say the Jedi. If you look at it, really screwed everything up because look at uh, Luke's whole thread, right? You know, I'm gonna go gentle on this because you know, yeah, Kevin, obviously. But look at Luke's whole thread, right? If you go from the the time Luke is born through the original series to where we meet him again in The Last Jedi, it's like he was essentially lied to by Obi-Wan and Yoda. Lied to, forged as a weapon to go against his father, fixed the problem that Obi-Wan and Yoda were responsible for, I'm like, is it a wonder why Luke turned a little sour? Oh, I, I think I think that that's a fair point when, when you look at it. Look at it, but I, I think, like I said, for me, the biggest thing is we can do Star Wars without the Jedi. We don't need the Jedi in every single. No, day. absolutely. I, think, I just I just thought I'd raise that particular yeah. point. No, I, 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 it, no, it's a fair point, and I think that's one of the reasons why we don't need the Jedi and everything every single thing, because I think it grows the world and makes the world stronger, but not including the Jedi and every single thing, and we can Absolutely, get some other perspectives. Yeah. So, but, Mr. Sennett, I, I, I think I think we could go around the table and give it, let everybody get a chance to do, give us some final thoughts on Andor. Mm-hmm. Sure. Evan, why don't we lead off with you? This might fall into the categories of that did we did we need this show and and I, and I hate when when I hear that from Star Wars fans you know because we're in a time where we're getting Star Wars more more uh, frequently and I and I, I think that uh, you know I, I think back to when I came to the realization that not all Star Wars has to be good and you have mm-hmm. to be okay with that and right, yeah. uh, I uh, and this and you know I remember the dark times I'm an original OG fan I saw the original Star Wars in the theater when I was six and and uh, you know living the uh, um, now extended universe uh, through audiobooks and, and comics and stuff like that I like that uh, they are taking chances with certain things and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know yeah we may complain that movies are announced and then they don't happen and you know, I'm missing seeing it on the big screen, but uh, the fact is, is that we are getting um, some Star Wars during important times of the Star Wars universe. That yes, is new canon, and that's fine. But I, I I'm very happy with uh, the direction that Rogue One has started out right out of the gate with these three episodes because. I really want to see espionage. I want to see the dirty mm-hmm. side of Star Wars. Yeah. I want to see That's the gritty true. side. Uh, and I think that if you set that tone like they have in these first three episodes, that if you can wrap your head around it, uh, I think that we're in for some surprises on how that they will 
uh, show you this other side of Star Wars. And I think that it's important that if we're going to continue to enjoy Star Wars moving forward, we have to be open to new takes and be uh, open to new ways of telling Star Wars. You know, you may not enjoy the, you know, everything, but you have to be fine with that and be okay with that, you know, and say, you know what, that Star Wars didn't do it for me, but this one sure as hell did. And and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, you know, like I wasn't a huge fan of the, uh, the, the, anim- the, the anime, uh, what were they called it? The Visions? Star Wars. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of, I, was, I wasn't a big fan of visions. I couldn't get through it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You know, there's, uh, other, other Star Wars that, that I did enjoy and, and I'm really enjoying the, um, trajectory, I guess that we've mm-hmm. seen from these first three episodes of Andor and I'm looking forward to the rest. Mm-hmm. Marcus. Marcus. How are you? Um, well, I when when Rogue One was announced, you know, and um, again, do did we need this? Do we need this? Um, you know, I thought, okay, it's it's a it's a good take. You know, let, let's see how they implement this. Um, and it was great. Like I said uh, in the beginning of the show, this is to me the best Star Wars movie since Disney took over. When Ando was announced, um, I warmed up to the idea really quickly that this could be another. You know, Rogue One just extended into, um, you know, many episodes. And I'm so glad that they went through with this. Um, you know, it took almost four years since, since the release. But it was, um, it's refreshing. It's a, uh, just like Kevin, like you said, um, it's, it's a great spy, um, you know, a th- a themed show, I guess. And I, I'm, so, again, so happy that they have so many episodes to show, um, you know, to show us to tell to tell the story of, of Cassian and his involvement in the <clears throat> in the uh, Rebel Alliance, and um, again, I can't wait. Um, I'm, you know, again, I'm happy that they, you know, this goes week by week. It's good. It's good to talk about stuff every week. Um, but I can't wait. I can't wait till till next um, till next Wednesday and and see 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 what's next. So, you know, two thumbs up. Um, for this for the show, and um, can't wait. Super happy. And Kyle, we like to hear. For me, I've been excited. I, like I said, I've been excited for this show for a very long time. Um, Rogue One has easily hit my top three of all time Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I I'm so happy that from what I've seen, at least with initial reactions, the show is coming across pretty highly loved by the Star Wars fan base because. I think it's something very important that a lot of our franchises that are out there that have been around for a long time need to open their eyes and look at and that they need to diversify their storytelling because you can't keep printing the same old formula. It becomes old. It becomes dull, especially in a world we live in now where there is so many different things to draw our eyes and grab our entertainment value. And I think this is something that Star Wars in a bit of ways has kind of fa- fallen into um, Rogue One, I think, gave them the opportunity, and I'm glad that they realized we need to seize this opportunity and do something different. And I really hope what we're seeing is that as they're building their houses of directors through other projects, we know Tony Gilroy, whether he'll be back or not, we're not sure, but that they're going to let these directors like a Bryce Dallas Howard or a Vic Fuchmia, um 
mm-hmm. not only tell a Star Wars story within the, their realm, but get to tell their own Star Wars stories as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now that they've gotten the experience of working it through Mandalorian, working with John and uh, uh, Dave, they can they're going to be given their own projects to spread their spread their wings out, much like. Even though Deborah Chow was working with an established character in Kenobi, she still got to kind of tell a little bit of her, her own story too within that. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully that is the next evolution of Star Wars is diversified storytelling. And with this show, it's showing the power of what it can do right out of the gate. And I think this show is going to be absolutely amazing. And I think when we're done with season two, it's it's going to be one of those benchmark Star Wars moments with yep. this show. Oh, yeah. It's just be like. Yeah, this, this this changed how I view Star Wars and how people would view the creation, view Star Wars projects. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. We know season two starts filming here. Yeah, I believe it's in November. So yep. Um, yep. cannot wait. Um, and in the meantime, I'm all in on the ride. The other thing real quick that I'm really excited about is the aspect to, because we're not having a Jedi-centric show, we're going to start seeing some of the other characters that we're, we kind of know in Star Wars history, like Mon Mothra, Motha, and those characters get a chance to shine themselves and develop those characters more mm-hmm. as well. I'm really excited for that aspect of it as well. And let's see some of these other characters get their moments to shine and develop them. And what a what a way to do it with this Cassian Andor show. Absolutely, Sal Guerrero, for instance. I mean, yep, he's coming uh, back. Basically, gave us the um, the debilitated old man at that, at that point. So let's see yeah. the, the the sort of season. Any chance of Borgullet making an appearance? Please. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, Tony Borgullet? Seltzer said no fans there is, but I'm like, damn it, give me Borgullet. Yeah. I, I think nobody would complain about that fan service. But Mr. Sennon, what about you? What are your final thoughts on what we've seen so far from Andor? I, I look, I, I there's no denying I love these three episodes. I mean, shoot, I I did a round two of it a couple hours before recording, mainly, and, and that's a big deal because I have not done it with The Mandalorian. Mandalorian has been mm-hmm. an interesting up-and-down struggle for me to get into. Not a bashing fest. I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, because Kyle, you and I have done enough of this to know where you know I don't do that. And and Kevin, I'm sure, you know, you've followed me enough online to know I don't do that either. So I'm just like, if you like Mandalorian, fine. The one episode I did do a second on, though, was... The the Jedi when Ahsoka showed up, uh, and I'm like, I'm sorry, that that episode freaked me out. I was flipping out. I was crying. I think I had to stifle some uh, 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 cheers because, well, uh, 3 a.m. and I have neighbors and my walls are thin. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that speaks so, for itself. So, so Andor but was giving you those kind of feels. What's that? Andor was giving you those kind of feels. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but with Andor, I I love the fact that we're seeing this kind of uh, darker, grittier side of uh, Star Wars, mainly because, look, 
and I have said this, and people can agree, disagree, fine, whatever. But I think had everything stayed uh, hunky-dory, like, you know, pre-2012, I don't think we would have gotten this. Because I think, if, you know, to see this kind of uh, uh, war and, and all the machinations going on, George made a very clean version of that. You know, it was it was a very sort of, well, where's the war part of it? And like I was saying earlier, you can have a morality tale for 12-year-olds, which George has always talked about, but you don't have to basically gut the hardest part of a morality tale because if you do, what are you teaching kids? You know, and if you take that and and apply it to what we have here, that's exactly what's going on. Because if you look at just real-world implications right now, uh, war is not a clean business. Shoot, rebellions are not a clean business. So I love the fact that we're actually seeing that side of Star Wars at this point. Yeah, I, I think I think it's called like everything else. It has to grow up at some point, and I think Andor is a sign of Star Wars growing, growing up. Yeah, and no, it is. I, I have that... also I have also said that the main reason people were mad, and by people I don't mean the level-headed ones, uh, like the three I have on this call right now, that can actually explain themselves. Like, oh, I don't know, adults, but you know. <laughs> The, the the fans that were really mad and irate and, and flag waving and gatekeeping for all for everyone else and kind of giving you know, the grandma finger going why don't you hate what I hate that kind of thing <laughs> I'm just like you guys are mad at the realization that you grew up Star Wars didn't this it grew up and so did you so yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, I think I think that's a very good point you made, David. And with with that, sir, I think it's it's time to let our guests get their galactic warp on. But before we let them leave, um, give you guys a chance. Where can people find you on social media and all all of those wonderful things out there, Uh, Marcus? Um, So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Facebook, Marcus Doring. And Instagram, um, TK14057. And the same goes for Twitter. Kevin, I know where I can find you all the time, but let the people out there know where they can find you. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Of course, you can find me on the Fandom Podcast Network and also on uh, Facebook as well. And uh, among other many podcasts that I do uh, under that Random Podcast Network umbrella with you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're around a few places. I, I, I lose track sometimes, but you know, it, it, when I start putting X Wings in my She Hulk show, there might be a problem. It might be <laughs> but I don't um, know. Some Marvel fans might disagree with that idea. <laughs> well, that, that's true, but um, of course, you know, I'm I'm on the Fandom Podcast Network with Kevin. I pop on here to make keep Mister Sendin in line because. Somebody's got to do it. It's a dirty job. Oh, people, but... <laughs> I, I try. I'm doing better, guys. Come on, really. You, mean... you, you, you have grown such as Star Wars has with Andor. So you, you, you are on the right path. Thank so... you. I feel, 
I, you know what? I just feel so much better seeing Kevin smile with that. <laughs> Mr. Sendon, I think it's time. Would you care to take us out of here and engage that hyperdrive? Absolutely, guys. Absolutely, guys. Now, you know, in two weeks, Kyle and I will be back uh, doing the next episode of Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion, where we'll be talking episode four and five. The rest of the of the nine episodes will be going two weeks at a time. You know, makes things a lot easier and all that, all that wonderful stuff. So that will be in two weeks' time. But until then, may the force be with you. And remember, you can like your Star Wars warm, you can like it cold, but at the end of the day, there's only one way. Star Wars is the way. Thanks for listening to Fulcrum, A Case for Rebellion, a Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast covering Star Wars Andor, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Lucasfilm and all things Star Wars are subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. To steal from the Empire? To just walk in like you belong? They're so proud of themselves, so fat and satisfied, they can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Adler, the Empire is choking us so slowly, we're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this, wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I can get for the greater good call it what you will let's call it war there's fermenting out there son pockets of fermenting you're in my net are you a fish or are you a thief you're slipping. <laughs> I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. Tired of losing. Fandom Awakens Radio is meant for informational purposes only, and infringement is not intended.